One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about Tottenham topping the Premier League table. Can they go all the way? We speak to legendary boxing promoter Bob Arum with Tyson Fury returning to the ring this weekend in Saudi Arabia. Plus, we're raising awareness of prostate cancer, which is a disease that affects one in eight men in the UK. Joining us live in the studio was Chiara De Biasi, Prostate Cancer UK's Director of Support and Influencing, alongside former striker Mick Harford, who's now Chief Recruitment Officer at Luton Town. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Tottenham did it. And now Ange is in a place that maybe Ange didn't expect to be. He's now taken more points after nine games than any other new Premier League manager. Tottenham fans out there this morning. By God, what have you got in this man? What could lie ahead this season? Could this be it? I mean, I really do seriously mean this. Um, Is this the time you're going to stay out in front and joust all the way to the end and win the Premier League? You're on 23 points. As I say, this man has taken more points after nine games than any other new Premier League manager. So it begs the question, what is the ceiling to what they can go on and achieve this season? If you remember, Simon, the interview that you and I had on this show with Ange, we asked him that. Ceiling? What is the ceiling? They like ceilings, they like floors, they like uh, any kind of uh, impediments that, that limit anything you do in life, uh, Jim. You know, from my perspective, it's let's see where it takes us. When I started this off 26, 27 years ago as a manager, I left the bank to, to become a manager. I can tell you that there was probably plenty of ceilings that were put before me then. And I'm standing <laughs> here today and who knows? Um, I, I don't work that way. For me, it's about trying to get this club to to the levels where I believe it deserves to be. It's got unbelievable training facilities, stadium support. It's got all the ingredients you'd ever want for for a club to have success. My role within that is to try and manifest that into something more tangible in terms of on field and give the the punters and supporters something to be proud of. Um, So who knows, mate, we'll see what the, whatever, whatever the ceiling may exist. Let's see if we can smash through it. Let's see if we can smash through it. Tottenham fans, you must be loving that, that kind of chat. Let me know very shortly. We'll we'll get a burst of Simon before we hit the break, but let me know what you think of this. The bottom line question this morning is, and we're going to put it out there, can Tottenham go on and win the Premier League? Are you going to do it? 
you're you're leading from the front where you stay there and do it. Oh three seven one seven double two double three double four eight ten eighty nine. Simon, what is the ceiling? Are they well and truly in the hunt? Well, that depends upon what others do. If we see a decline in Manchester City, and if we see a decline in Arsenal and Liverpool, don't pick up their standards from the disappointment of last season and get better and bolder and Man United continue their decline, then they can have, we can have this conversation. If we're talking about people maintaining a certain level, then no, I don't expect Tottenham Hotspur to win the Premier League. And I think that if Tottenham Hotspur were to be in the top four, which I have priced into my thinking at the beginning of the season because I'm, I am an absolute stalwart for supporting uh, Postacoglu. I think he's a very sensible manager. I think the, the conversation he talks about, you know, I listened to Tim Sherwood tell me that, that he got all fed up with having nice dryers at the training ground. This guy tells me about the fact that they've got wonderful training facilities. They've got a stadium that's fit for the best. And it's his job, his job to build a team. Yeah. His job, I suspect, to get from Daniel Levy what he needs to get one way or another, hook up by crook. Where they are at this moment in time is it shows you what, what a well, manager... We're past the honeymoon period, Simon, aren't we? Well, yeah. we're ha- we, we are past the honeymoon period. This is more than a moment in time. Well, yes. I mean, He's he, given it. How'd you like that? Well, yeah, he's got a, they've got a result against Arsenal. They've got a draw against Arsenal. They've got a, a you know, I, I would say a slightly fortuitous win against Liverpool. Um, and the rest of the wins team... Wins a win, though. A, a wins a win, and you, you ride your luck whenever you can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, his, in previous times, we've seen Tottenham being able to get the better of Manchester City yeah. under Conte's uh, reign. I, I still feel that Tottenham have got a lot to do and a long way to go, but what they are is a far better outfit from the footballing side, from Agreed. the fans, Agreed. To, the, to, the, to the media-facing perspective of what's actually going on on Tottenham Spotspur. But and no one could have expected this, Simon. Seven months on from Conte's tour, face. No one could have expected no, to be I, where no. they are, they're at now. Tottenham fans, wake up. Is this your moment? Are you going to drive towards the title? I didn't expect Tottenham to be Tottenham, to, uh, top of the league, but I did expect Tottenham to have an have the Postacoglu effect so that there would be something worth looking at, that there would be something that we would be discussing. If we were sitting with Tottenham Hotspur in fourth and fifth in the league, we would still be saying, this is a really good turnaround. This is a really good scenario. Put all the things into play. The destruction that Conte left behind him, his observation on the football club, the departure of Harry Kane. All of these things would have been put into equation, baked into the argument there's going to be a problem and a guy that's not managed at this level before. Now, the reality of it is is that Tottenham wasn't built on quicksand. There is a playing squad in there that's capable of performing at a higher level. Conte was a waste of time at the end and was all about himself. The Harry Kane departure has created an opportunity for others to step into the breach and put to bed because if you're listening it's radiators and drains if you're listening every year about the radiator that is Harry Kane and the drain is he wants to leave and he wants to go it has a debilitating effect of on course, the football club now he's yes. not there yeah. doing doing what he does in Bayern Munich yeah. is afforded an opportunity for others but could anyone have expected this I mean I really I do seriously mean it I mean Postecoglou has exploded on the scene here yeah, in great. England more points after nine games than any other new manager yeah. in the Premier League so the post- that is I mean Ange well done this so the poor sod can only go backwards now in terms of... You see, you know, I don't bo- think so. No, listen... I, I don't think so. It, it, I, think that, I think they could be there or thereabouts. Well, it's, you know, we've had the conversation about the disappointment in the League Cup and the fact that they're out of the League Cup and people were... Certain segments of the Tottenham fan base thought that was a, an unwise move to play a weakened side in a competition that they could have perhaps won and, and ended this drought. And 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 Ange Postacoglu addressed that situation. I don't think he addressed it fully mm. because I think ultimately you could have won that tournament, you could have been in that tournament and it could be something that you win. But I guess that's because his blueprint from Daniel is 
we want to be a top four side. Yeah. And the top four is the, is is the, is where Daniel wants to see them because competing in the Champions League gives you an opportunity to track Champions League players, gives you an opportunity to build revenue. And then underneath that, if you're building a decent management structure, then you can win leagues. Right, right, right. But I remember you and I were on when Ange got appointed and many Tottenham fans joined us that day. Who is this guy? Ange who? Yep. Who is he? Well, by God, they know who he is now. And I remember many of them saying, look, he came down from Scotland and it's a two-horse race up there. Nobody really has to do that much to win the Scottish title. One's got to beat the other. Celtic's got to beat Rangers or the other way around. Yeah, look what he's doing down here. Now, all of a sudden, it might well be fitting that one or two of these Tottenham fans would come on this morning and say, yeah, I was a bit previous about that. Maybe I should say something well, to Daniel Levy well, maybe, about, about what I well, said all those months ago. Well, maybe, Don't you think? Well, maybe, to be fair, that they weren't a huge groundswell of people saying that about Postacoglu. There was there a bunch were, on this there show. Wasn't, there wasn't names that were being linked to Tottenham that people... And, of course, the problem was who was going to appoint him. Mm. I think at that particular point, Daniel Levy could have appointed Pep Guardiola and people, certain segments of the Tottenham fan base would have shouted Levy out because that's where he was in their regard. Now, he's at a moment in time where he's got some respite from that background noise. Yeah. And the next question, the next question guaranteed that's coming is there will, there will become a bump, there will need someone else to get more goals because Son might get injured, Charleston doesn't score that many goals. And the next question will be is, guaranteed, where's your ambition, Levy? We've got an opportunity. So Daniel will get respite and bask in the reflective glory of being top of the league. He'll, I imagine he'll take yeah. it with a, with a pinch of salt as he took the criticism of a pinch of salt. Sure. But right now, Tottenham are in very good nick and it's quite, you know, it's quite nice to see. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Good morning to you, Sean. What do you think? Where do you think the club is right now and can you stay at the top? I think we're in the best position we've been in for a very long time. And I do, obviously people are going to say typical Spurs fan getting ahead of themselves here, but I think we're in a very unique situation that we don't have any European football for the first time in 15 years, which means we're playing once a week, basically. This week we're playing, I mean, we've got 10 days between Palace and our next game against Chelsea. And what we have is momentum. And that's pretty much what, that's what le- led Leicester to winning the, the title in 2016. That's that's the sort that's the reason Arsenal got where they got to last season because they started the season really well. No one expected Arsenal to be in a title race last season, and now everyone talks about them as if they're sort of perennial title challenges. So, um, <laughs> that's a good point, think, though, Sean, think, that you make. Yeah, the, the gap between games. I mean, I think you're a, a, maybe at this stage a somewhat reluctant believer, but a believer. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I really believe whether we will or not is obviously another matter, but I think. We've got a chance. And when it comes down to it, if it is between, let's say, Spurs and Arsenal, because I feel like City have maybe got a bit of a hangover from the the treble and maybe they don't have the same motivation that they once did, then I would back Postacoglu to keep sort of composure over Arteta, who's just a much more emotional manager. And Arsenal have bottled it the last two times that they had had an opportunity to do something. And I think Postacoglu... Uh, although he may be inexperienced in England, has been a manager for sort of 26, 27 years. And that that puts him in a much stronger position when it comes down to the to the wire. So, yeah. Excellent, Sean. Great call. Thank you very much uh, to you for that. Peter, big Tottenham fan, did you think the same? Did you have your doubts about Ange? And now you're thinking a whole lot differently. No, I never doubted him quite, quite bluntly. I, I got my, my local landlord's a Spurs fan and he said, oh, I don't like this fellow. And I said, have faith. I think this guy's got a lot going for him. 
I mean, I have to say about Pastor Coglu, after the game last night, he said we were wasteful. He, he, he saw what was wrong last night. A couple of the previous callers have mentioned it. You know, we, we got when we brought subs on, we played the ball sideways, etc., etc. I mean, there was a lot, an awful lot of that. So I think if we played some of the better teams last night, no disrespect to Fulham, but I think, you know, we, there's teams out there that, that, could, that could hurt us a lot more. I think what, a lot of what Simon said earlier was right. You know, but I think the test will come when we play some of the top clubs and we have got away with a few sort of good results. But I think Postacoglu, if you're talking about the manager, first of all, he smiles at the right time. He says the right thing when he's interviewed. He keeps his nose out of politics. He just talks about sport. He lets everyone do it. He always says, oh, I'll let someone else do with that or, you know, I'll do that. And I think last night night his management was spawned because he knows we've got Palace on Friday. He took off three players in one go, including Son and Madison. You know, it changes the thing, but we'd won the game. As far as he's concerned, we won it. Right, go on there. Keep yeah, that 2 yeah. Keep that, keep that 2 nil lead and so on. Well, I don't think we'll win it, but if we can keep injury free, we've got less chance of getting injured because we've not played as many games as that. That's true. That's true, Peter. Peter, many good points here. Thank you for that. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. In Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Tyson Fury will finally return to the ring this weekend when he faces former UFC champion Francis Ngannou in a crossover bout, as it's been described, over in Saudi Arabia. The American promoter of Tyson Fury, Bob Arum, who's seen and done the lot in the sport of boxing, joins us live this morning. Bob, good morning to you. I mean, I suppose you've got no choice now, but was this a fight that you really wanted to see or not? I think it's a fight that that really uh, fascinates a lot of people. Uh, I'm a purist, so I would have much preferred Fury to fight Usyk now, but hopefully that'll come before the end of the year. Uh, but this fight really has piqued my imagination. Uh, uh, Nagano has been training in Las Vegas uh, trained by, of all people, Mike Tyson. Uh, And uh, he's impressed uh, a lot of us uh, with his ability. Uh, He he is the hardest punching guy uh, that I've seen uh, in a long time. so I think it's going to be a fascinating fight. Okay. I mean, more recently we saw KSI against Tommy Fury. Now we've got this crossover bout, as it's been described, with Tyson against Ngannou. Um, does the world of boxing need them, Bob, is what I'm driving at? Because you're a boxing well, you purist. Of course you, you are. You've done everything. You can't compare the, the KSI, God bless him, with... Um, uh, with uh, Nagano. Nagano has uh, a resume, and you can just look it up and, and, and uh, see all his knockout victories uh, in UFC, which is a real sport. Uh, this other stuff is just social media guys playing around. Uh, this is a real fight. This is an interesting fight. Uh, you know, I would be shocked if Nagano uh, was able to uh, knock Tyson Fury out. But I'm sitting here with the president of the World Boxing Council, uh, Mauricio Suleiman, who also says it's a possibility because of how hard 
uh, Nagano punches. Right. So alongside me is my colleague Simon Jordan. So Simon, for that reason, Bob would probably suggest to you and I watch it because Nagano's got a chance. Yeah, of course he would because he's promoting the event. I think the key component of what I'm taking from Bob is the same position that I would take is I'm a boxing purist. I would much prefer the WBC champion of the world, which is one of the major belts, to be fighting in the best format, which is against the elite fighters in his particular discipline. And what Frank Warren has done, and Bob will probably double down on, is implore people to understand the nature of the relationship with the latest money in the sport is the Middle East. This opens the door to the finances that provide the solution to the Usyk um, fury conundrum financially. Is that a fair observation, Bob? I think that's not only fair, but it's a very astute observation uh, because that is exactly what the situation is, that all of us in boxing are grateful uh, that uh, uh, His Excellency Turkey uh, and his group stepped up uh, and became so enthusiastic about the sport of boxing that they're starting with Fury and Nagano, and it will continue with Fury and Usyk, uh, plus, as I understand it, a rematch, automatic rematch, uh, win or lose either guy. So, so, so Bob, let me see. jump in. Are we at yeah. stage now? Because with your vast experience and you promoted some of the biggest fights that we've ever seen, but is it the case now that you and other promoters dotted around the planet cannot put on a major fight without Saudi help, without Saudi backing, without Saudi involvement? You know, I'm an old guy and I remember these, <laughs> this question being asked me. Is it possible to put on a major fight without the backing of the Las Vegas casinos? casinos. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Back in the late 70s and early 80s. Oh, if it wasn't for the casinos backing the sport, you couldn't get these big events. Well, that's true for now. Uh, the uh, uh, Saudis uh, have... Uh, in effect, are using boxing uh, to help build the infrastructure uh, in Riyadh and in other places in Saudi Arabia because their goal is to become a big sports and entertainment center, just as Las Vegas casinos years ago uh, used boxing to become a sports and entertainment center. And, and, and let me remind you, look mm. at what's happened in Vegas. Yeah. If they view, they use boxing, it became the centerpiece yeah. because no other major sport would go there. Now we have uh, an American football team, professional football team there, the, the championship sure, hockey sure. team. It's all changed. Right? No, I go, I go with and, that, Bob. But yeah. here's the situation. On Saturday night, what we're going to see, Simon, If you, it, we both decided, Bob, that it, it doesn't interest us both sufficiently to take this in. So I'll second guess it, that Nganu comes close, staggers Fury a few times. Fury outpoints him and of course wins in the end it's been an incredible event goodbye and everybody goes home 
After that, well, if that if that's the way it turns out, mm. then everybody will have gotten their money's worth. Well, possibly. I mean, what, what do you think will happen? I, what I hope would happen and what I think would happen are two different things. What I hope would happen is that Nangano tries like hell to hit Fury. Mm-hmm. Fury, with his better boxing ability, is able to escape danger right. and finally knocks out Nagano. That's okay. what I hope. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Many of you have uh, beaten us to the draw, especially if you're a Luton fan, because you are so thrilled at who is coming your way in the next few moments. Uh, Steve Oliver, one of many, many Luton Town fans. Jim Simon is a huge Luton fan. I want to give my thanks to Mick Harford for everything he has done for the football club and continues to do. Everything he does away from the field of play, specifically in lockdown, when uh, we didn't know he was struggling with prostate cancer, but he's still found time to call my mum, a Luton Town fan in her 80s, to see how she was. Never mind how Mick was. Please, Jim, pass on my best to Mick Harford. Well, Steve, you get your wish, because alongside Mick in studio with Simon and myself is uh, Chiara DeBiasi. Is that right, Chiara? Perfect, yeah, thank you. Perfect pronunciation, I'm glad about that. Uh, Who is Chiara? Chiara is Prostate Cancer UK's Director of Support and Influencing. And the man we have just mentioned, Chief Recruitment Officer at Luton Town, Mick Harford, is in studio. The last time I saw you, I was embracing you at Wembley. Do you remember? And then I took a picture of you, your hands above your head, because your beloved Luton Town had just got promoted. Do I remember? I'll never forget that, Jim. And uh, right to be here uh, for a great cause, yes. So uh, really, really pleased to be here. But uh, yeah, what a day that was in the it, club's history. It was quite a day. I mean, you, you, you were stuck for words at the end. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a climax of a, a brilliant season for us. The, the game was such a enthralling game and uh, we played so well in the first half and uh, <laughs> nearly threw it away in the second half and uh, just to get over the line 
as we know in football, it's really tough to get over the line. And when we actually made it to the promised land, it was such a relief, not just for me, for everyone at the football club. It was quite a day. Um, I have to say, Chiara, not so much you and I, messages flooding in for, for Mick and Simon because this is a subject, Simon, that is close to your heart prostate cancer. Uh, as we know, it's a disease that affects one in eight men in the UK and those odds shorten to one in four if you are black. <clears throat> Briefly, do you just want to remind, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Do you want to remind everybody about the experience you came through of late? Uh, something similar to Mick, I should, I should imagine. Um, but for different reasons, someone very close to me was diagnosed with um, a high PSA level and then subsequently went and had bio biopsies and and, and came out with, uh, with prostate cancer, they advised me. And because one of the big links is not just the fact that one in eight men, one in four men that are black, but one in two and a half, they've got, oh, you've got two and a half more chances if you've got hereditary circumstances. And that was something relatable to me. Yeah. So I went off had, had, and, and had some PSA tests. It didn't really give me anything particularly to worry about. But notwithstanding it, because of the hereditary links, I was advised by my GP to go and have some further investigation that's a biopsy that created a, a, a challenge and then the biopsy created a, a decision for me which was either radiotherapy or or a radical prostatectomy which is the removal of the prostate i took the radical prostatectomy up op, um, route because of my age the challenges that may have been coming if that was the, the route that i went and quite frankly you know it's one of those situations where the more informed you are the more you avail yourself of information and the first thing you do is take a PSA test at a certain age group, the better opportunity you have to overcome something which is infinitely overcomable and the stigmas that travel with it are things that you should move past. You know, the idea that you have to have certain inspections and certain challenges, what would you rather die of, embarrassment or... yeah. The challenge. Exactly. And and so myself and Mick have been on this journey. You have indeed. And Mickey down in Devon is saying, Simon, I just want to remind you, thank you for what you did because uh, you got me and my mates to go and get blood tests and we're all good. So Mickey down in Devon, that is good. So Kiara, I'm going to come to you in a second. But Mick Harford, you were diagnosed <coughs> with prostate cancer in December 2020. What happened thereafter? Well, just wish you good luck on your recovery, Simon. Thank and you, all mate. the very best, yeah. Uh, it's a tough road. I was diagnosed on the... I'd had a previous PSA, which was quite high. They sent me away, said, come back in six months' time. And when I came back for my second one, it was really high. It was up to 38 uh, point something, whatever it was, which was I was at three. High. Yeah. Mine was three. So <laughs> it was... Uh, and mine, my, my symptoms were no, no pain. I was just up and down the toilet three or four times a, three or four times a night. Uh if I went to the toilet during the day, then I'd come back to the toilet and have to go back again in five five seconds to 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 finish off, so to speak. Yep. And uh, the, the, it was it was caught caught in a, in a way where I wasn't I couldn't have uh, what time that minor spread to my groins and my lymph nodes, so I had to have the radiotherapy treatment, uh, which was forty bouts of radiotherapy. Absolutely, uh, with my team, I had absolutely enthralled with them. They've been brilliant to me. Uh, Great team at UCLH and backed by the NHS and obviously supported by Prostate Cancer UK. Couldn't have asked for a better support uh, network in terms of what I had. At the moment, I'm, uh, I've just come off my medication, uh, off the hormone blockers. I've got an appointment on the 20th of December just to see where we are and hopefully it'll be good news. But at the moment, my numbers are really good. Things are looking good and I'm in a good place. Oh, mate, that is great to hear. And you're doing fine, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're doing good. Absolutely. Okay, so Kiana De Biasi, 
and I absolutely love your name Thanks incidentally <laughs> Prostate Cancer UK's Director of Support and Influencing what we want to do here at Talk Sport today and what we're doing now live to our audience this lunchtime Kiara is raise awareness on this very topic because it's so important that the message is out there men get checked yeah, absolutely. And you've already raised some really valuable points that I'm going to come back to, actually. So you talked about being really well informed. A lot of men aren't, and that's, mm. that's our job, to raise that awareness. You've talked about not having symptoms, and Mick, you talked about the symptoms that you presented with. Prostate cancer is really complicated because when caught in its earliest stages, it's entirely curable. Those early stages don't present with symptoms. I can't stress that enough. So the symptoms that Mick's just talked about aren't signs and symptoms of early prostate cancer. We've already touched upon men at highest risk. Obviously, this is a, a cancer that increases with age. Black men have double the risk. You talked about family history yourself. Uh, and you're right, between two and a half and four times more likely if you have a father or a brother or an uncle with prostate cancer. So to deal with some of that complexity, Prostate Cancer UK developed our online risk checker. So it's on the Prostate Cancer UK website. It's a really simple digital tool. It asks three simple questions. And what that will do is explain to that gentleman what his risk is. And then really importantly, it will explain what to do next, which isn't one of the investigations that you've just alluded to. I think we also know that 60% of men put off talking about prostate cancer for fear of having a rectal examination. And the fact of the matter is that simply isn't the case anymore. So mm. please, those myths and misinformation are stopping men getting the information 60 that they need. 60% of men don't, don't want to go through with it because... because they're worried right, about that, right, absolutely. So yeah. what, what actually happens, if you do the risk checker, it will talk to you about a, a simple blood test that the, both of you guys have talked about this yeah. morning, the PSA blood test. That's the first step. And then if that PSA is raised, you'll go for an MRI scan. It's a much simpler a diagnostic pathway but men do the risk checker understand the blood test because it's not a perfect test it's also not a test for prostate cancer and then have a conversation with with your gp if that's what you choose to go ahead and do yeah i'm just looking at the messages that are coming in it's incredible you know the thing i could i could not go over kiara was when Simon came back to this show and you were, how long were you away, mate? You were away with two, I, three I, weeks? I was away for four weeks. Was but it four I, weeks? I had surgery two weeks after I was away and I, had, I came back two weeks after the surgery. I mean, spading his blushes, uh, this man is hugely popular, as you know, with, with the, the listeners all over the country. Probably the most listened to individual on British radio today and I'm proud to be alongside him every day. But when Simon came back on air with me, Kiara, and started talking openly about what he'd come through and I just let him go because nobody better to let go. Simon completely freestyled uh, in terms of what he'd, he'd been experiencing. Over 8 million views to what Simon was talking about. Many people identifying with what Simon was talking about. Many people wanting more information. Many people thanking him for guiding them towards doing something about their situation and getting checked. It's a kind of, it's one of the best kept secrets out there that everyone is afraid to talk about. And then when we do talk about it, it explodes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, quite understandably, we know that half of the men in the UK assume, quite rightly, uh, that they'll get invited for a test. This is one of the big four cancers, right? We've got breast cancer screening, we have bowel cancer screening, we've got these fantastic targeted lung health checks, but we have nothing for prostate cancer. And that will always be our ultimate aim, to develop a screening programme for prostate cancer. But you're right, we don't talk about it enough. Men's health is already a bit of a minefield. So it's our job to try and dispel some of those myths and get this risk awareness message. This is about risk. 
don't wait for symptoms, understand the risk. Think about having a PSA blood test if that's what you'd like to have. And talk to your mates. We talk about these life-saving conversations. Yeah. If this isn't for you, fine. But talk to the men in your life that you love. Sign- signpost them to the Prostate Cancer UK risk checker. That's how we save lives. Mm. And, you know, a platform like this for us is incredible. And for you, Simon, you know, I yeah. can't thank you well, enough. I mean, it, 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 as I said, I, I didn't... I, I didn't need a kumbaya moment. I wasn't looking for a support structure. <laughs> I was just talking about it because yeah. my surgeon, Ben Shalacom, had said to me, listen, I'm going to look after you, but would you do me a favour? Would you go and use the profile and raise the awareness of it? So we did the piece here, which I think got about 10 million views, and then I did a piece in the mail where I took Ben along uh, as a surgeon so that Ben could talk from the point of view of somebody that's looking at the, 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 the procedures that are involved and looking at the, the methods of identification and one of the things that he and I want you to perhaps debunk this myth the concern is about a national screening campaign and the ability for the the resources in this country to be able to handle that and I've heard stories and I've literally over the last four or five weeks I've had hundreds and hundreds of text messages of people that have taken PSA tests some high profile people that I know in the sports some high profile in the show business world or people that have been stopped in the street they're saying thank you very much because of that my father did this or my brother did this or whatever else it was but there was also this thought process that I've been that I've been presented with and I'd, and I'd like your opinion on this about the availability or, and the bandwidth for men to go to their GP and ask for this PSA test because I have heard stories where People are saying that there isn't the bandwidth for GPs to be able to do it or they're not getting quite the response that they should be getting when they're going and asking for it. Can you debunk that myth? Well, unfortunately, it's true. We, yeah. hear, we hear that every day. So two, two things there. One about the screening programme. Um, we are, as an organisation, a, a research-led organisation, and right now, in terms of the National Screening Committee making a decision, we don't quite have the evidence we need for screening for all men. It's coming and we're working on yeah. it and we're investing, investing a huge amount of money in it. We are really sure that we have enough evidence for a screening programme for black men and for uh, men with a family history. And and that very much is a live issue for us. To come back to the point about GPs, we have never spoken to a GP that wouldn't want to give a high-risk man a PSA blood test. What we're also really aware of that at the moment primary care is incredibly stretched, which is why it's really important for, for, for fellas to do the homework, actually, do the risk checker, read about the PSA blood test so that when you're presenting to the GP, you can say, I was listening to talk sport. I've mm. read all the information. I know it's not perfect. I've had a read of the pros and cons and actually I'd really like one. All men in the UK over 50 are eligible for a free PSA blood test or over 45 of those higher risk men. Mm. So it's not negotiable actually. And if you get turned down by your GP, see another GP. Explain to them that you've read about the blood test and there isn't a GP that I've ever met that would then refuse that gentleman because there are some of those myths and misinformation even within primary care. So the more informed you are going in, uh, the easier it will be. But we are very, very aware that, that there are challenges in primary care at the moment. But we're working with different ways of being able to offer men PSA tests, perhaps through secondary care, through hospitals. And NHS are actually funding some really interesting pilot studies. So we know it's not perfect right now, but we're really, really excited. Because I see it screening. every time I turn on television on now, there's a real mm. energy behind it. And one of the most important things is sports people are such an iconic way to do it because people think that sports people are bulletproof and that they're real leaders and it won't happen to them. When you hear a sports person like Mick Harford saying, I've had this and by the way, I've overcome this, people then relate to it and go, well, if he could do it and and he went along and sorted himself out, then I can do it. And I think there's a lot of that that needs to be leveraged. Download, stand well back 
Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Craig, thank you for that. Jim, seeing Kiara, Mick and Simon talking with you this lunchtime. So Craig's obviously watching his guys on, on YouTube or on Facebook. The camera's around the studio. Uh, I'm a man of 50 and I've done the three-question check and I will now be contacting my GP. Thank you for what you're doing. So, uh, Kiara, what should we be saying here in the area of age range? What do you want to say on that one? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, so we know that prostate cancer is a disease that is, is more likely as as a man ages so the highest risk for most men when we talk about one in eight men that starts from 50 so age 50 so in terms of having that PSA blood test and the eligibility that's from 50 onwards but just for clarity for those highest risk men so that's black men so any black ethnicity or men with a family history of prostate cancer that that higher risk kicks in age 45. So they are the two really definitive ages that we want people to hold in their minds. But again, that's all really clear on the risk checker, on the Prostate Cancer UK risk checker. I see. Uh, there's a friend of mine, Ben, just getting in touch. What a listen this is. Brilliant stuff on prostate. Uh, please send my very best to Simon, to Mick and Kiara because of what they're doing this lunchtime. So we have done just that. I mean, Mick, is there anything you want to say out there? Kiara made such a great point. You're a Leeds United fan, incidentally. I am you know? a Leeds United. Fan, yes. You're simply said a Luton Town. Oh, it's okay. Leg. We're friends. We're friends. Um, one thing that, that struck me, I mean, I, working with Simon, and he and I were in Qatar at the World Cup, yeah. and you were out there playing paddle tennis with the best of them in the morning and mm-hmm. giving them a run for their money more mm-hmm. than. So this fella, Chiara, is pretty darn fit. But that doesn't come into it, does it? And then I look at Mick. And it looks as if he could still run out and do a bit of damage in the football pitch today. But that doesn't come into it either, does it? No, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people associate healthy living, healthy lifestyle and cancer prevention. And certainly for a lot of cancers, that's true. That's, you know, don't smoke, eat well, exercise, etc. But that isn't the case in prostate cancer. You know, there's still a lot that we don't know about how prostate cancer develops, how it grows, why some men get it, why some men don't, which is why we just keep coming back, you know, repeating that message about men understanding their risk. Rather, there isn't anything that men can particularly do to prevent this from happening beyond being really well informed about themselves and sharing that message with other men in their yeah. life. What was your attitude, mate? Mental attitude once you'd been diagnosed? That's a great question, Jim, because... Uh I changed my lifestyle straight away. I changed my diet. I changed what I did on a daily basis because I think what you do on a daily basis does have a massive effect on your life. Uh, so now I will just moderately have a few beers now and again, but I won't go mental like times we used to in our in our heyday. Uh, so I, I changed. I changed. I changed my whole lifestyle, and uh, everyone's different. I, I when you look at prostate cancer, everyone is different. No man is the same. So I just believe what I was doing was best for me. Uh, and it, I, I believe it's worked for me. I've lost weight. I think I, 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 I feel fit. I feel stronger. I exercise more. And uh, and and the big thing for me is I'm I'm around a group of young players every every day. I'm in the training ground every day, and they keep me young. They make me happy. They make me smile, and it's a it's a great environment to be around. And there's a gym there. I can pop in out the gym when I like, and uh, all the players are really supportive towards me. And uh, I've got a lot to thank them for, you mm. know. And uh, a great great group. But uh, go, going back to the message, Jim, yes, yeah. going back to the message, when I was diagnosed, I thought I thought about keeping quiet like Simon and that, you know, and I was at a Luton Town game one, once and I was just sat there and I thought, well, if I can help one person here, if I can help one Luton Town fan, let's get that message out there. And that's when 
it, the, the, my actions kicked in then. Well, not just Luton Town fans, I can tell you, there's a lot of feedback this lunch hour, and I mean a lot of messages coming in uh, at this stage. One for you, Kiara. I've just done the three-question check, um, but as a 35-year-old, where do I stand asking for a PSA test when under-50s are not in a high-risk group? Yeah, that's correct. So we, we don't advocate for men under 50 to have a, a PSA blood test, primarily because we know that men, uh, in terms of those that are diagnosed, are normally over the age of 50. So what we don't want is for men to be doing the, the risk checker unnecessarily, but rather sharing that message with men that are in that high-risk group. Um, what we do know is, is black men and men with a family history are more likely to be diagnosed younger um, than white men or not non-black men. So that's a really important point so thanks for raising that so yeah younger men if younger men are listening tell other older men in your life about the risk checker rather than doing it themselves it's really good for them to be well informed though so they know that this is coming yes but it's really 45 for high-risk men 50 for all of the men uh, there's what, a message there graham i'm not sure uh, about a test but i will do it if the news is bad um obviously he's a bit fearful if the news is bad you didn't know what you were getting into simon and you as you do in life mate you met it head on so is that what you would say to anybody listening to this mm. lunchtime? Any man who's going, like, yeah. I'm going to get this test. This I'm going to face yeah. it. It's an infinitely resolvable situation. It's the, it's the fear uh, and the original... When I was given the diagnosis, mine was <laughs> irritation because I had things I wanted to be getting on with and doing. <laughs> um, and that was my, the main focus. And then the reality. But it's one of those where you, you avail yourself of information and you take the course of action that's being prescribed to you by those that know, but there's nothing, if you look at the fact that I had surgery, and it's not insignificant surgery, but I had surgery, and I was sat here two weeks after the event. Now, you know, you know, I'm not one to go on about these sort of things, and this is a subject matter because these guys are in, and it's a valuable message. Yeah. But it, again, it's about, the only thing that you fear is fear itself. This is a very, very, very resolvable situation. It comes with consequences, but those consequences are bearable. You know, I've made life choices at, at, at the age of 50 hmm. and onwards that, that are, you know, are my life choices. But the, 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 the stigma of prostate cancer should not be there. It should be something that men of a certain age group, 45 and above, and probably more so 50, yeah. as Kira was saying, should go and do as a matter of course and then alleviate their concerns or contend with the issue. And the contention with the issue is not as challenging as you think Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. Find out what you find out. In the remaining seconds, we've got Stephen Sunderland. Jim, say to Kiara, I'm over 50. I've been refused a test from my GP because I don't have symptoms. Yeah, that again, our nurses hear that every single day. We have a, a fantastic helpline and, and that comes through the nurses. So all I would say to your listeners is if you're being refused a PSA test, go back to the secretary, ask, request to see a different GP. And again, you can actually download the risk check. If you do the risk checker online, you can print off the information, take it to the GP and they cannot refuse you a PSA blood test. Kiara, all this information is uh, absolute gold to the people who are getting in touch this lunchtime. Mick Harford, before we go in a sense, Luton Town will they survive in the Premier League this season? I, I believe so everyone's positive at the football ground uh, the football stadium and the training ground there's a lot of positivity around the place uh, we're in games we're competing we're doing really well and Rob's doing a fantastic job in his staff and we're so pleased with the start the world's most dangerous download outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station Talk Sport Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.